Blog Talk Radio. As of the 1st of October 2019, in South Australia, a new law was passed that allows a public servant to enter, remain, inspect, or use reasonable force to break into any premise, place, vehicle or vessel. This public servant can remove items from the premises to be used as evidence in future, and a warrant is not required if there is a suspicion, just a suspicion, that a vulnerable adult is at risk of abuse. Matters will then be directed to a court or tribunal that is not bound by the rules of evidence, can determine matters as it thinks fit, and can reach an outcome, just, on the balance of probabilities, not beyond, reasonable doubt. Victims often, end up a ward of state. The public guardian and public trustee, are often placed, as the ultimate decision maker, and, take over all affairs. These laws, are expected to be rolled out in other states next year. Are you scared yet? Good evening everyone, this is Marty Oakley, the PPJ Gazette Online, and this is the DS Radio Network. Good evening, everyone, and welcome tonight. We are so excited for our international call-in show. We have on the line Matilda Bowden. Matilda, say hello to everyone. Hi. Thank you for having me. Oh, my goodness. We hear you perfect. Thank you so much for – yep, I sure can. I hear you loud and clear. Thank you so much for joining tonight. We've already got a lot of callers calling in, I can see. Everyone loves getting the updates on Australia. It's just so tragic that these things are going on globally. Um, Why don't we just get started? And Matilda, tell us, give us an update. What's going on in Australia? Well, I just found out um, in the last couple of days that um, we've got our adult safeguarding unit um, hot on on my tail. looking to stitch up a crime that hasn't been committed anywhere for any purpose whatsoever. Um, But they've been contacting uh, my clients looking for some kind of alleged offence by me uh, so that typically, I guess, remove me out of the system of working with disabled people, uh, among other things. And uh, what they're doing is they're contacting randomly um, in a premeditated way clients to investigate or interrogate them about investigating me um, so that they can eventually have them either guardianship and that's the only pretty much the only way that they're going to be able to do it is to put these people into guardianship systems even if they come out unscathed and I use the word loosely um, they will certainly try to trigger some kind of offense or crime or something that they could persecute me with Um, fortunately none of my clients um, have anything negative or bad to say about me but um, it doesn't stop the state government from making the attempt to stitch up a crime or an offence that never happened so that's the latest but there's more to the story wow (laughs) wow it it just it's never ending what these scumbags are getting away with isn't it and on a global level you know real quick while we're talking global are you aware that yes. Australia litigated with Marty? And so we want everyone to remember that these these calls are broadcasted out of the United States, and they even from Australia sent her cease and desist notice 
from talking to people and they they couldn't take it down but i mean yeah they they do not like this show they do not like that we're talking about it that we're exposing it and what's going on with aska and the um there's a that commercial that you guys have in all the different languages i'm seeing it all over the place have you heard what kind of impact that's having on everybody Hello. We, Are you there? We, yeah. Yep. I I hear you. There's that commercial. I've been sharing it. It's in all different languages. Have you seen it yet? We're hoping to be able to get it to play on here next week in English. Anyway, it's been so powerful. Aska's been putting this commercial out in in every kind of language you can think under the sun to get the exposure out there in Australia. Have you seen any impact it's going on with done. all the advocacy? Yeah, it is brilliantly yeah, yeah, done. Absolutely. Fantastic. It it has been fantastic. I think we have a lag. So what's going to happen because we yeah. are across, this is an international call, I'm going to stop and then I'll let you talk and then I'll wait a second so that we can make sure we're not cutting each other off. And I apologize that we seem to have that kind of connection going on. But what's going on with the advocacy here in Australia right now? Well, uh, I guess, you know, all all those of us who are working within the system or or sort of, you know, a little bit on the periphery, uh, I think we're all getting swamped with um, requests for for, and the need for advocacy. But uh, there's only so many of us out there doing this kind of work so it's getting pretty difficult um and we are reliant on hopefully um you know having some other professionals come on board and start speaking out about their cases um i do know of a psychologist uh, here in adelaide that's been doing some amazing advocacy um sort of a bit under the radar but um you know there are professionals out there that are doing some wonderful work advocating for their clients but uh there's no money in advocacy, you know, and this is this is how people get entrapped. Uh, there's no money in this um, industry or in their homes. Um, I know recently I had a lady whose husband um, ended up in hospital, and it's it's pretty well the typical what's the word funnel I think being used to guardianship people. But um, the woman has uh, health problems, and she just needed a little bit of respite. In the meantime, her husband ends up in hospital and bingo, straight away, guardianship. You know, as far as they're concerned, she can't care for him. And she's saying just because she needed a little bit of respite didn't mean that she could not care for him, but that didn't stop them from going ahead and taking out guardianship orders on him. Uh, no, fa- no one from the family was able to intervene or to object or to sit down and have a discussion with anyone. None of that was op- an, an option. It's... You know, not to 100. You just go into hospital and, you know, move, move straight into guardianship. That's, that's, yeah, it's awful. And that's what we're seeing here in the United States. I think you made a really valid point about that there's no money in advocacy. That's so true. No. You probably, no. yeah, probably the same as what I've had people is they want me, I mean, and I want to help people. But, I mean, you get to the point where people want you to financially help them or to fly out and go to court or 
you know, they just think that you have all kinds of money to help them out with a lawyer. And that's, that is just not the case. That's not the case here in the United States. And I bet you it is not the case anywhere in the world. And, you know, you're so right. There's, there's no money in it. And yet we do it because it's the right thing to do. And I just have to think. And yet somehow, yeah, go ahead. No, 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 no. I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but um, you know, you know, you're right. I mean, you know, it's important work, and and I don't like to say no to anybody. I mean, if I could, I'd solve it. You know, I'd try to help and solve as many problems as I could. And I know that the need out there is desperate. You know, when when I get this uh, lady calling me and crying, and she's, we actually had to do a welfare check on her between a couple of her friends and colleagues and, and myself. Um, just to make sure that she was okay because it got her to such a place that she was talking suicide. And um, all because the hospital would not even listen to her, would not organise a meeting. I mean, before you go putting someone into guardianship, how hard is it to convene a case conference for an hour? You know? But instead, you go from an elderly couple, quite happy together, and getting by and, you know, they've got sons and daughters and family around them and, and family and friends that could potentially come in and assist. And then the hospital unilaterally just saying that would put guardianship orders out on him. Uh, and and it, it was quite devastating to have to sort of observe. And there was not even time enough for me to write a letter or to make a phone call or lodge a complaint. There was none of that time given um, you know, to have a case conference, how hard is it to have a case conference with the wife, their sons, daughters, you know, near, nearest and best advocates, perhaps? Um, and let's talk about why do, you, why do we feel we need to have this person in guardianship? What's the missing link? Uh, you know, how much care does he require that we can maybe putty up the gaps? Maybe the community come, can come around and on a roster system be in the house to support this elderly couple until the wife recovers or gets some proper treatment or whatever it is that's necessary. But no, I'll tell you why that is. A, and it's the same here in the United States. Mm. They always do these emergency hearings. They have to do it fast yes. because they have ulterior yes. motives. See, while we you are profiting, they are, and the faster they can get someone into an emergency guardianship, the faster they can yep. seal the deal and they can start getting paid. They do not absolutely care about the person. Oh. I know Chris has said it. They're like a shark. They don't care. You know, if you were dumped in the water around a whole bunch of sharks and you had a piece of paper trying to show the sharks, no, here's my power of attorney or whatever the pieces of paper is, the shark would not care. The shark would still destroy you. And that's what these people are. They do not care. No, they don't care. They don't care. Um, And I'm sorry, but being busy, being rushed off your feet is not an excuse to send an entire family into an absolute tailspin, uh, you know, to the point where, you know, a family member feels they need to commit suicide because they just can't cope with the stress and the distress. And you could hear, you know, on on the phone line, I could hear the husband crying, the wife is crying because they're going to be separated. And I don't think that that situation 
had to result in immediate, urgent guardianship of any kind. There would have been other alternatives open, but the opportunity was never presented. Well, and, yeah, and it's, and quite it, it's awful. It's disgusting that guardianship is driving people to what the only way to escape is to commit suicide. Obviously, yeah. the guardian is not doing a good job, and the courts do not have anyone's best interest at heart when this is going on. Well, and and the, if only we were dealing with the courts, you might get a little bit of a hearing, but we're not even dealing with courts. We're dealing with tribunals and commissions that don't give a toss. And least of all, the law or evidence, you know, Oh, absolutely. You know, there's no one interested in hearing. Um, You know, if, for example, a particular person needs a little bit of extra care, how do we meet that need? Um, But instead, the government's happy on, on our purse, on the purse of the taxpayer, to throw in hundreds of thousands of dollars for, um, you know, the cost of putting someone in guardianship, medicating them, and then basically throwing them out the window. It, it's absolutely quite yep. tragic. Um, and, and getting back to, to the story that I started telling you, um, you know, yesterday I had a client of mine who, who was visited upon. Needless to say, when no one was present, um, by the Adult Safeguards Unit, and... Um, he was interrogated, and all they wanted to know, he tells me, all they wanted to know was whether he was happy with my services, what services was I providing him with, Matilda, Matilda, Matilda. They were not interested in any other questions or any other issues or concerns that were relevant to him. Mm. For example, how can he have contact with his children? Can he get another house, which is bigger, so that his children can come and live with him? They were not interested in any of those other issues or concerns. They were only interested to know things about me, how I'm servicing my clients, blah, blah, blah. And that's to try and stitch up a case so that they can go into some other secret, you know, Stasi-style, and I won't call mm-hmm. it a courtroom, uh, tribunal or hearing, you know, um, in secret, you know, behind closed doors, where they could try and stitch a case of some kind of misconduct or fraud or God only knows what. Uh, they're looking for um, a person to fit the crime, and I'm that person because I've vigorously, um, with regards to another family. So I've now got six people who have been visited. Purely, they've been visited because of my involvement and work with them and helping them with their various uh, disability-related issues. Now, incidentally, it's not the Adult Safeguards Unit's role or mandate or function to investigate me or other service providers. But they're going around looking for people that they can victimise to then make a case against me. And that's basically how advocates are treated by the state, certainly here in Australia, and I hope that that's not really the case elsewhere. Pretty much the advocate, the family member in the United States, it'd be something if these people who were acted like concerned with the well-being of others would put that much effort into actually investigating a public guardian, but they don't seem to have 
the time to do that, right? Yeah, it would be it'd be very eye opening, and it, it's just it's just so obvious, you know. Now, how do you think? Go ahead. Sorry, Claude. Um, in a fraction of the time that it would have taken them to get in their government cars and drive half an hour to see my client, knock on his door and interrogate him for an hour and a half, and then drive back, they could have given him another housing trust home where he could have met the needs for his children. With the stroke of a pen, yeah. the push of a button, that's exactly the problem. Right? Yeah. But isn't that I <laughs> worth that level of intervention getting to me or trying to stitch me up for something was worth that level of intervention that they would harass my six of my clients now or, or six wow. people that I've advocated for. Um, now, I'm, I'm sorry, but up until um, I came to the attention of the Adult Safeguards Unit, I've never had a complaint from any client ever with any government authority or any other quasi government authority or institution, no tribunal, no commission, no court, no nothing, never. In 30 odd years of being a professional working in human services and disability in the disability sector in government, et cetera, et cetera, never have I ever, ever, ever had a complaint from anybody about anything that I've ever done professionally. And now all of a sudden I'm being targeted. Now that is obviously because I'm right over the target. Oh yeah, you're standing in the way of someone's bank account, that's for sure. And they're just waiting for someone to say just you know, they'll take even something that's said good about you and they'll twist it. Are you able yeah. to yeah. have any sort of protection like videotaping or yeah, you know, we're doing audio taping yeah, yeah. what right. being said? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. But we're doing so all they- of the above and my clients my clients fortunately have another advocate uh, who is utterly, utterly brilliant uh, in yeah. getting their story, in their language, in their words, what really happened. Now, the thing is, yesterday, the gentleman that they went and visited, um, because he does have some kind of, we haven't really ascertained exactly what the nature of the disability is, but it appears it could be an acquired brain injury um, or some sort of intellectual impairment, but um, certainly not to the level that he's not capable of making sound and reasonable choices for himself. Um, and um, what, what he's been doing is he's been putting together sworn affidavits by these people with a blow-by-blow account Ooh. of what happened. Now, when, when the ladies visited this gentleman yesterday, they, the gentleman, again, as I mentioned to you in the previous show, a lot of our clients, because they're caught off guard, they're unaware, Two women come knocking on their door. In this instance, the gentleman says they didn't present a business card. He didn't even get their name, right? And this is pretty typical. But even if mm. sometimes they do over a business card, the business card does not read Adult Safeguards Unit. It reads something else. I think it's aged. Oh. It's something to do with aged, uh, the Department of Aged Care or something similar, uh, or SA Health, right? It'll have that sort of stuff on, on the oh. business card. Uh, there are two different, uh, um, what's the word, incarnations of this adult safeguards unit, which is effectively the Stasi chamber, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, East Germany style. Um, and they yeah, actually absolutely. forced their way to the family home. 
Uh, and then they want to know, you know, who feeds you, who cooks for you, you know, what do you watch on TV, blah, blah, blah. And everything relates to whether or not Matilda is giving you what you want. And have you got any problems with Matilda? Have you got any concerns? Is there anything you're not happy with? And we'll blame it all on Matilda. <laughs> wow. Unfortunately, that gentleman is furious. Scary. This gentleman is furious to be being hoodwinked um, and tricked into allowing them. It was another disability service provider. That's why he let them in. But um, he's furious because he thought they were coming in to help him. <laughs> no, they were coming to free him from me. <laughs> Wow. Oh, just, it beggars belief. It really does. Well, it, I and our taxpayers are paying for all of it. Yeah, they are paying for all of it. I would think that they want to bully you to get out of this profession because you're standing in the you way, of, again, of of your bank of their bank account. And, I, you know, I know being caregivers, doesn't pay a lot unless you are a court appointed guardian in the United States or the tribunal. They, you know, they're the only ones that seem to get paid good. What I want to know, and I know this is the same in the United States, you know, we have taxpayers that are paying for all this. How is the money funneling to the people who are doing all these interviews and trying to, you know, steal your clients? How are they getting paid? Yeah. Have you, I can't. I mean, what's the motivation? Well, well I mean, the, the federal government, the federal government pays the state. Um, how that money eventually uh, is appropriated, heaven only knows. I mean, I, I, I don't have my finger on that pulse, uh, and I dare say it would take a, a you know a considerable amount of investigation to find out how that money is flowing and where it's going. But I do know for a fact that for every person that goes, every disabled person under the NDIS that goes into state care, there is at least 90-odd thousand, $95,000 per person per year going to the state, right? Now, that's just for their actual yeah. physical care, not not the accommodation. Then when it comes to the accommodation component, it could be anywhere between fifty five and, again, ninety ninety five thousand 95000 for their accommodation. So don't worry, there is a ton of money swirling around in this cesspool. Um, but what, mm-hmm. they, what we're doing, and I, I've mentioned this in, in the previous show, and that is we are literally at breakneck speed reinstitutionalizing people. People who have come out of institutions in the 80s and 90s are now being almost coerced to go back. Things like, for example, the National Disability Insurance Scheme which we refer to as the um, NDIS, or NDIA is the agency that runs the scheme. Um, uh, The NDIA will usually, typically, and I say deliberately, underfund a person's care package. Because when they underfund it, you're not given the option of living at home. Now, the NDIS was set up so that people with disabilities can get the care and the help that they need to live independently in their own home without guardianship. And the purpose, the objective of the NDIS was to avoid guardianship and to avoid homelessness. These things were supposed to be... uh, Guardianship and the risk of homelessness were two of several triggers that were supposed to highlight severe need or considerable need um, for people with disabilities in the NDIS scheme. Instead, 
it's now the green light for guardianship someone. Instead of a red light of let's not go there, let's provide right. enough resources to this to avoid homelessness, to avoid guardianship, it is now the green light. Let's go straight there. This guy's going to be homeless. Bingo, guardianship, right? It, it's the uh, button mm-hmm. <laughs> Someone's going to, someone's elderly, you know, getting to age of 55, another trigger. Um, you know, for example, people who have come onto the scheme at the age of, let's say, hypothetically, 55, 60, by the time they hit 65, they're close to 66, and now eligible for um, an aged pension, they want to kick them off. They want to kick them off the scheme. So they offer them all sorts of other inducements um, or they underfund them. And this has happened to a a lady uh, recently that I met. They underfunded her package so severely that she was not even given support coordination. Now, this is a woman with a pretty significant psychiatric disability. So her disability causes her to become very highly anxious and very highly stressed. She's got to coordinate her own services because there is no support coordinator, namely a person like myself, okay? So uh-huh. a person like me, a support coordinator, would go in and to the lady and say, okay, what is it that you need? She would say, let's say, um, I need to be connected onto my pension. I've just been cut off. Um, I have a legal problem. I've got an outstanding uh, traffic fine. I've got uh, the risk of, you know, my nephew coming to live with me and I'm in a house that's too small and he can't live with me. So my job would be then to go, you know, talk to maybe some housing providers, uh, make a housing trust application, uh, go and talk to the police fines unit to have a fine maybe rescinded or renegotiated, etc. That's my job. But she can't do those things for herself, can she? So what does the NDIS do? Mm-hmm. It denies her that use of a support coordinator so after maybe a year or two of a package that she cannot use because she can't do those things for herself she gets so angry and so upset they ring her so she says you know what stick it up your jumper i don't want the package i don't want to be on the ndis leave me alone so they cut her off don't they they cut her off the ndis i i step in now and they say too bad she took herself off the system well, you forced her to a situation where she took herself off the system. You didn't give her the care and the consideration and the support that she told you she needed. You ignored her. But now is that if she becomes too problematic or difficult within the system somewhere, mm-hmm. um, again, she'll be facing down the barrel of guardianship, put her in a nursing it, home. Oh, exactly. Throw her in a mini institution. Yeah. Mm. And all against her will, because that's not how she wants to be living, is just to be basically thrown away. But they basically, just like in the United States, it's basically like an incarceration. You have no choice. They are taking you. Even though you didn't commit a crime, they are taking you. It's the same in Australia. They're taking you. Absolutely. 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 That is exactly what's oh. happening. Um, no consent is required. This is required. And no incapacity is required. You're just gone. You very, disappeared. Very scary. Do you ever get fearful yourself that you're out there fighting them, that they might turn around 
and try and do it to you and just basically take you against your will because that's a fear for many people. (laughs) You know, the good thing is I'm so out there. I'm so out there uh, with the community that they can't do it without everybody watching and observing and knowing what's going on. And uh, I have a really, really good paper trail and, um, you know, I do do recordings and videos and photos, et cetera, et cetera. And um, my documentation is, uh, you know, I think pretty detailed. So, look, you know, I mean, they can try it. I don't care. I mean, it, does, it wouldn't bother me. If they, they can give it their best shot. Oh, um, oh my goodness. Yeah, they can give it their best shot. You know, uh, I, look, I wouldn't put it past them. The, the, the level of malevolence is so extreme that I would not discount that that would be a possibility, if not a likelihood. Well, absolutely. And you know all it's of us fear of conspiracy theorists. You know, <laughs> all of us conspiracy theorists that talk about COVID yeah. and all those other things. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. But have you, have you uh, seen what's developing now in Europe and, and Europe now rising up against all the mandates, et cetera, et cetera? I mean, there's going to be a furious backlash before too long. But uh, anyway, that's a, that's a story for another day. Oh, my goodness. Has our whole world been gone through some craziness with when COVID hit and everything that was done. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we are all are conspiracy theorists. And isn't it <laughs> funny that we have found each other in like two different countries and we know of more countries and we're all saying the same thing and we're watching yeah. our governments behave the same way yet we're the crazy ones. Yeah, crazy united, I guess. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, a lot of that is brought about because our public servants have no limitations. There is no place where they will not go, which is against the actual public sector values, codes of ethics, etc., etc. You know, um, there is nothing they will not do to achieve their, you know, political or selfish personal ends. Um, and in this instance, I think there's an awful lot of professional jealousy because um, they got kicked in the teeth pretty severely with my first lot of clients that they couldn't put into guardianship. Mm-hmm. And so now they're coming back for a second bite of the cherry. Yeah. It, yeah, it's disgusting. And I know last time you came on, you gave me such an aha moment when you talked about the World Economic Forum. We actually did a show on it. It was like that week or the week after we had John LaCron on because I was just blown away. Now, people who are listening, people who are listening to our show, they believe us. They're tuning in because they know, like, oh, my gosh, I'm not alone. I'm not the lone crazy. But people outside of, you know, our listening audience, they they aren't aware that it's just so blatant and right in your face. You can actually Google the words useless eater and it comes out of the World Economic Forum. I mean, it's right there, right in front of our faces and nobody seems to care. That's right. Um, The social impact bond. Seriously, people need to start researching now the social impact bond. And this is what you're seeing Ooh. people reinstitute that lives and breathes, that is put into an institution, is bringing back financial returns, financial gains and profits, either to a corporate or government entity. 
Yep. Or both. Yeah. Everyone is. Did you want to flesh and blood? Oh yeah, and we've even done shows on on like the organs and the organ donations, yep. and even in you know some of these countries like that are just you know total crimes against humanity, taking prisoners. I often wonder, as they guardianize people, is there a secret database that we just don't know about yet, and they're using it? It wouldn't yeah. it wouldn't yep. surprise me wouldn't surprise me you know it's some scary it's a scary world that's out there scary scary world now what are you because some it seems like the scams that are running in australia are pretty much running in the united states the the agencies just seem to have different names but the scam is always the same and with you yes. with a, a lower population in your country, it becomes a little bit more aware. We'll, you'll become more aware of it faster than what we're going to notice. So we are starting to see a large homeless population here in the United States, and it's getting talked. What is happening with your homeless population there? Because you touched on the fact that they're being guardianized. What are you seeing there? Well, well, it's funny you should say that. Um, even if we are not talking about people with disabilities, um, the the homelessness population is rising. Uh, I mean, just in this last uh, fortnight, uh, my daughter rang and she said, Mum, you know, can you help a friend of mine? And I said, oh, what's the situation? She said she was living in a house where there was really severe black mould. And um, I had a look at the photographs yesterday of this house and it was shocking, shocking. Um, I cannot believe any landlord would have allowed their house to get to that to that state where there was that level of black mold in it so the family had to flee because they were very very sick with respiratory problems all sorts of things and they had children you know young young children and uh, so anyway but they were desperate to quickly rehouse themselves uh, their clothes were getting mold furniture was getting mold on it um so oh. uh, my daughter said mum you know cook Help them, and I said, "Look, the best I can do at the moment would be to let them share a room. That it'd be a bit of a tight squeeze, but you know, we, we could accommodate them in my house." Um, in the end, they settled for a tent in um, the young girl's uh, mum's backyard for about two weeks before she finally, somehow—I don't even know how she did it. Actually, uh, she did find a house, um, and she just moved in yesterday. But she's the one super lucky one out of about five that I've mm -hmm. had in the last month uh, and I don't normally get one every couple of months you know intermittently I would and I'd be able to normally house them I've had five in a month now I'm not um, a housing provider I'm not a housing pro I'm just an ordinary private individual but because people right. know the sort of work that I do they and they go Matilda can, can you you know do something do you know anyone yeah um, she was really incredibly lucky um, but the others have not been and the ones that end up homeless living in their car you know um, yeah staying somewhere on the side of the road I mean a gentleman yesterday told me that he was um, going to probably stay on the side of a road in his car and I said for crying out loud what for and he goes look I've got to be in Adelaide uh, for a court case that's pending and um, he, he, he said, oh, you know, I'm going to stay in the car. It's like, well, I've got a bed here. You don't have to stay in a car. But he doesn't have family and friends and people that can put him up for a night because everyone is full to capacity. All the people that I know, 
have already got people staying with them. Wow. Houses are full. There aren't spare bedrooms. And yet once upon a time, I would have had two or three spare bedrooms. All of my rooms are now occupied. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, so it's, it's definitely interesting. Yeah. Why is there such a homeless population? And it seems to be something's going on where it seems to be more prevalent. Yeah. It's very, it's extremely yeah. heartbreaking. And yeah. there's got to well, be they, they, a puppet master for all that's pulling these strings. What's going on? Yeah. Well, we, we do know that obviously there are banks and there are um, investors, whether they be corporate or private individuals, that are buying up houses. But those houses are not going to ordinary people like you and I to rent. They are now being set aside for specific um, types of residents. And usually it'll be people with disabilities because that's where the money's going to be coming from. Um, instead of um, let's say a pensioner paying you $7,000 from their pension for the year, for a year's worth of rent, these people are going to be collecting mm-hmm. $90 per person per room in rent. Wow. Well, yeah. Per year. I guess we always need to right? follow the money. So, so that's, that's, that's huge. That's what's happening to the housing at least in part, that, that is, in my view, at least in part, one of the impacts mm-hmm. of the social impact bond. I don't understand the full um, extent or rollout or implication of this SIB nonsense. We mean that there is a price on everybody's head. And the moment you become disabled, infirmed, let's say long term, God forbid, you become infirmed, you have, I don't know, a back injury, you're, you have a... A spinal operation and you're going, to, you're going to be out of action for 12 months instead of someone mm-hmm. helping you, let's say, I don't know, with a $5,000 renovation to your bathroom so that you can stay at home, uh, they'll put you in a nursing home. Okay, and then good luck if you can get out of it afterwards, right? Um, and this literally exactly. happened to a lady that I was... This, this is literally what happened to a lady that I was introduced to and unfortunately I found out the other day that she'd passed away. And she passed away. Oh. Away from her family, she had a family, husband and children, and she wanted to go back home after some kind of surgery. And this is in New South Wales, not here in Adelaide. And um, she needed, I, I don't know exactly the total amount, but it could have been somewhere in the vicinity of twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 worth of renovations. Uh, remodeling of her bathroom but instead the NDIS was happy to pay over a hundred thousand dollars plus for her care away from home so it's not husband and children that are caring for her it's paid staff physically caring for her plus the cost of accommodation somewhere else she died in another house with strangers away from her husband and children and in, in yes. the space of, what, about a year, I think she was out of her home for more than a year. Now, you explain oh to me God. how that helps us. And that's why we can't afford the NDIS. And, and I use the word loosely. Uh, I mean, we've always met, I mean, many people have always said um, Australia can't afford the NDIS. Well, you could make it affordable if you wouldn't make stupid decisions like that, where you're going to begrudge the cost of, a bathroom renovation, but you're going to pay 10 times more 
to keep the person out of their family home, not getting the loving care and support of their family. It's tragic. Well, absolutely. It's utterly devastating. It is, and it makes no sense at all. I mean, if you were just an accountant looking at numbers, someone has to yeah. be profiting. I'm guessing the nursing home, yeah. the nursing home owner, are they privately owned yeah. nursing homes in Australia? So, and usually what we I, see I think is that for big companies. Yes, yes. There, there, there are yeah. private ones, I'm sure, but um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the common one that I deal with is Estia, um, but I don't know about some of the other nursing homes. Uh, I don't generally work yeah. around aged care, but uh, I do know a couple of people on the NDIS scheme that are in nursing homes, and that's what they're getting in their packages. Oh, and it gets even worse in some ways because... These people who are already pensioners anyway, and I'm talking about pensioners without assets behind them. They haven't, um, you know, um, mm-hmm. paid off and freehold, you know, their own home. So right. out of their $900 a fortnight pension, they will pay 85% of that pension to the nursing home for their um, accommodation and food. Now, I mean, half the time, the food that I've seen in some of these nursing homes is not much more than slop. Um, disgusting. Oh, yeah. uh, if they have, seriously, I, the food that I've seen, I wouldn't feed to my dog. But um, that's yeah. what they're getting for their 85% of the pension. Now, get a load of this. One lady that I, I've been working with, um, she'd been paying 85% of the pension for four years. And it was only recently that we discovered that she could actually get some of that reimbursed not not the whole amount but some um so we've arranged the reimbursement but she still has to pay up front that 85 percent and then she claims the reimbursement retrospectively instead of giving her the discount so that she's not having to make a claim now if it wasn't for me people around her to facilitate that reimbursement she wouldn't know how to do it herself Right. So there are people out there. So they don't want you to know. Yeah. Thank you. And there are people out there, I suspect, that are forfeiting their their reimbursement because they wouldn't know how to claim it. Absolutely. Could be 15,000, could be 19,000, depending on what it is, um, you know, per year that they're forfeiting because they don't have a support coordinator, they don't have a social worker, they don't have a, an advocate or somebody who is juiced in on how the NDIS system works. So they might not have access to the plan, so they don't know that the money's sitting there. And um, they'd be forfeiting that. And still yeah, paying 85%. Pretty much sounds like the United States make it really hard to figure out if you have yeah. a benefit and that you would you know, profit from it. Well, our, yeah. Here it's called the Internal Revenue Service. They, You have to hire yes, people I... to do your taxes here because it's so confusing. And if yeah. you don't hire the right yep. accountant, you're going to pay way more money. And it's just like, why can't it just yeah. be simple? You know, it, they can't make anything simple because <laughs> somebody is making something. You got it. You got it. Wow. Absolutely. I mean, this, this is a cottage industry, I tell you. And money is swirling around like a, like, like a cesspool, I swear. It's a swamp. Um, and, 
you know, service providers like me, I mean, the government, uh, certainly the state government, maybe not so much the federal at this stage, but uh, certainly the state government, uh, you know, just attacks independent service providers like myself because we're competition, you know. Oh, um, and when yeah. you've got the adult safeguards unit, um, obviously they're scratching for work. They haven't got enough victims out there, so they've got to go out searching for them. Um, you know, we're, we're yeah. not talking about people who come onto their radar because of legitimate, genuine expressions of concern. Look, you know, I'm sorry, I've got a friend of mine. I haven't heard from her for the last, you know, six months. Could you check in on her, make sure that she's okay? That's not the type of stuff we're talking about. They're actively right. searching out anybody that is a potential client or person that I'm servicing, even for free. Believe it or not, they're even going after people that I've serviced for free. <laughs> wow. As an advocate. Find out what a oh rotten service provider I am. Uh, <laughs> oh, look, I'm sorry. I've got to laugh about mm. it because it shows the desperation. You know? And the truth wow. of the matter is, as, as, as I see in your American politics, uh, I follow American politics quite a lot. Um, and as, uh, you know, one of your talk show hosts, Dan Bongino, often says, you know, it's not hard to indict a ham sandwich, you know. It doesn't take any effort at all. Right. Um, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? If, if, you're audited, yep. if you were audited right. tomorrow, or any, any service provider on the planet, if they were audited tomorrow, it wouldn't be hard to find, I don't know, um, a missing digit on an invoice number or, um, you know, you, you made a claim for, I don't know, an extra five minutes of work that you did that maybe, you know, it should have been three minutes. Oh, absolutely. You can, <laughs> you get you can target. You can target it anyone. Yeah, all you need is that uh, it would target. This is this wow. is yeah. Germany. You know, East Germany. Um, these people are absolute goons. Um, but that's what we're dealing oh, with yeah. here, and um, they just don't have corruption. any respect. For, for, there's no respect for integrity in public office and for the role of the public service. That means that they are supposed to service us, not target us, not victimise us, not persecute us or the people that we work with and that we're trying to service, the vulnerable people. Their job is to open some gateways, create some communication and dialogue, all of that kind of stuff. But not, they do the exact opposite. They're absolute demons. Well, you but, know you what? Know, who are you going to tell? I have found right because they don't care. So there's like there's mm. two things. You know, you have if you own a business or you know you're in the private sex, sector, you know, you could lose customers if you don't treat them right. But when it's these agencies that are the government agencies, they're not going to lose customers, so they don't have to treat you oh. right. And there's something wrong, like. Oh. It should be the same standard, like customer service. Like you can do like just basically evil stuff and you get away with it because you're not going to lose customers. Yep. If you were private and you did that behavior, you'd, you'd be out of business. They're not out of business. 100%. No, 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 no. They yeah. are well in business and they're putting themselves in business. Uh, they've got jobs for life. Um, while they threaten the jobs yeah. of the rest of us. You know, I've got a gentleman, uh, you know, in a totally different industry. You know, uh, he's an engineer, and um, he's been making um, large farm 
sort of, you know, farming equipment, bins, um, dollies, rigs, trailers, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, the Consumer and Business Services uh, Commissioner and Department have come after him for allegedly not supplying bins, but the bins were not paid for. And so what they did was they've colluded with another couple of uh, private individuals to defraud him of his um, assets and, and strip him of the equipment and bins and products that he was manufacturing. But it's the same process. Mm. What they've gone and done is they've colluded with these other parties illegally, which is not the role of the commission. That The, the Consumer and Business Services Commission doesn't have that mandate or role of entering into collusion with other companies or businesses to, to defraud another company or business. But that's exactly what they're doing. You know, they, they're knocking on the doors yeah. of other to try and entrap this guy to stitch up a case against him in exactly the same fashion as the Adult Safeguards Unit is trying on, on me and my clients. Um, and then they even have the audacity to tell these customers, go and collect your bins, which are worth, you know, $200,000 plus, right? Go collect mm-hmm. your bins, but yeah. don't pay him for it. That is not the role of government to do that. That is not the role of the government to advise no, that's not to pay their account to send this man bankrupt. That's scary. You know, well, yeah, that's super but scary. But you're right. They are targeting businesses. They are targeting your financial viability. They are targeting your livelihoods. They're targeting you so that there is no way that you could make a, a business viable, right? And I'm not talking about profitable. I'm not talking about just, you know, going out and sailing off to the Bahamas every couple of months. I'm talking about people that are just right. trying to pay their mortgage. You know? Yeah. Just minding mm-hmm. their business. Wow. Doing their own thing. They want to be left alone and provide for their yeah. family. Not a big ask. You know? But in the meantime, That's you've got these big, large guys that go and fund our politicians and pay for their, their election campaigns and they get away with uh-huh. blue murder. Oh, yeah. You just give them a donation and you're going to, you know, it's going to open the doors. It's just public corruption run rampant. And it just seems like it's run rampant on a global scale. And with, you know, we're all connected. They're probably, you know, inter-country bribing each other, doing business with, you know, within the different countries. And, I mean, it's, yeah, it's run rampant. And it really weird that we're on the other I always say we're on the other side of the planet and yet there's so much that's <laughs> the same that's going on the template. and like, this is the yeah. United Nations um, specter that is looming over all of us and all of these politicians, yeah. and, well the bureaucrats in particular that are sitting in government who think they're untouchable, it'll hit them one day and they won't even know what hit them, it'll come out of left field they won't even know what was coming their way and they'll be left scratching their head. I hope one day they're left scratching their head of, how did that just happen? <laughs> you know, um, if, if you're if yeah. you're the public servant working in the quality, uh, sorry, in the um, adult safeguards unit, and one day the government knocks on your door to take your child away, I hope they ask themselves, of how did that happen? And then reflect on what they're doing to other people's children and to other people's family members. It's disgusting. Yeah. But he, all these people that think they're totally Touchable. You may not be, you, you may not be held accountable in a court of law, but God sees, God knows. Absolutely, 
And that's the one thing, just being in this advocacy, like sometimes you, it is, it's disheartening to watch people continue to get away with their crimes. And sometimes I feel it's like the consolation prize that I don't, I want to see justice in this life, but yet we do know that, you know, um, every once in a while we have a feel good story that we can, yeah. We can celebrate when we have a victory when one of these corrupt people go down. And there definitely those stories are there. And those are the stories that give all of us hope. We have in the United States the April Parks, the Rebecca Furleys. These stories happen. And that's what gives us hope that we keep doing these shows. Yeah. As Marcel would say, we're whistleblowers. We're we're blowing the whistle. We're, yeah. we're saying, hey, this wrong is happening, and maybe someday it's going to make a difference. And I believe it will someday make a difference, um, kind of like yes. that universal, yes. the, the karma thing, you know, good and the good and bad karma. Well, we only have a few minutes left. We have to real quick, we got to talk about our sponsors. Of course, our favorite, <laughs> one of our favorite sponsors there out of Australia Let's see if I can say it right. Australian Association to Stop Guardianship and Administrative Abuse. You can find them at asga.org, A-A-S-G-A-A.org, a great, great organization out of Australia. Also, if you are listening international from another country besides the United States or Australia, please reach out to ASGA. And they have been collecting complaints and starting to get people organized in some of the other countries that are out there. Very, very sad that that is the case, but that is, that's what's going on here in the United States. We have NASCA, the National Association to Stop Guardianship Abuse, and that's at stopguardianshipabuse.org. You can find them. And it's been a very, very helpful, wonderful organization there to help cover here in the United States. Oh, and I know that NASCA and, yep, NASCA and ASCA love each other. So a great partnership there. We also have Marcel Reed and the Whistleblower Summit. And, in fact, this past year, Chris from Australia and ASCA actually participated in our whistleblower summit and she did amazing she even helped edit it and put a beautiful tribute at the end of our um our presentation for marty oakley and chris has just been so wonderful and helped participate and you all writing letters to the senate committee on aging here in the united states and supporting us the way you do and we also have shenanigans in the Montgomery County Facebook page and in fact that's a county out of Pennsylvania that's actually the very county where I first got to experience corrupt guardianship in in uh, one of my loved my loved one my uncle and what was done to him which was what pretty much got me into all this but you can go on that Facebook page I do not run it um, but it is run very well it has a lot of court documents you can actually see what's being done and harvey he's on there his stories are on there and next week we actually will be having someone coming on from pennsylvania because it's just that state is just really really corrupt do you find that in australia that some states are more corrupt than other states well you would think that would be the way it's interesting because i hear so many people saying how corrupt is South Australia? 
what's going on in South Australia? You are so corrupt. And then I hear some of the stories that have been coming out of Queensland, Victoria and, and uh, New South Wales. And then I think, wow, what's going on in those states? Um, but yes, I, I've heard far too many people going, there's something really weird going in Australia. And um, I don't know if that is necessarily the case, but you know, I, I guess it, it's likely because from what little I can glean in the other states, they have anti-corruption commissions that nonetheless are somewhat accessible and are nonetheless ah. somehow open to some small degree of scrutiny, but ours here is not. Uh, our Ombudsman, our Office of Public Integrity, our uh, Anti-Corruption Commission, they're useless as a glass door and a dunny uh, in terms of exposing yeah. and remedying or wrongdoing. No, seriously, they're absolutely useless. I'm sorry to use Australian euphemisms. Um, but uh, no, our, our systems here work to do the exact opposite. The more corrupt you are, the more they will cover it up. up. The Office of Public Integrity, Ombudsman, ICAC, don't even waste your time with them. Um, you'll get nowhere. And everything is done under secrecy. And of course, what does that mean? It'll come back to bite you if you go there. Yeah, absolutely. We've gotten here. I mean, there's definitely Pennsylvania. I live in Wisconsin. Definitely Pennsylvania way more corrupt than here in Wisconsin. And I'm very, you know, I'm very glad to be living here, but it's a cancer that can spread. So I really yes. still want to get involved in Wisconsin. But, you know, it's gotten to the point people won't even call law enforcement because they're afraid of the retaliation. Absolutely. Uh, won't talk to absolutely. We had, yeah, we had an FBI investigation going on, and I was so excited about half the people that I knew could have something to tell about, you know, they had what I knew their experiences were. I was shocked. Half the people that I talked to, and I said, here's an agent. He wants to hear your story. They would not call for fear of retaliation. And that's a sad, yeah. that's a sad commentary that people, you know, in our free countries, are afraid to report crimes because they're afraid of retaliation. It's the same what you just said. We've got the same thing going on over here, and that's uh, that's not that's not good. That's a problem, and I hope that someday <laughs> well, we, this we can are, be addressed. We we are going to be naming names of people involved in this network in due course. There is a growing <clears throat> community base. <clears throat> That is, I think it has had enough of this government corruption and, and now people will start naming names. Just give it time um, because this yeah. cannot continue to go. You know, we're going to start exposing the actual individuals, the real people, the real faces, the real names behind this stuff. Um, and I know that there's a gentleman here in Adelaide that's already started doing that, um, but there will be more others to follow. Uh, we're just gathering... Yeah, evidence and it's all going to be documented and don't even waste your time don't even waste your time reporting it to the ombudsman or the office of public integrity icac etc just go straight online tell the world and be done because you're not going to get Absolutely. any justice in the government forget it i think it's going to be the exposure they don't want exposure they're all yeah. hiding under a rock but more when more yeah. and more people in the masses find out what their government is doing to them, we're gonna ha they're going to be marching in the streets the way they marched in the streets over COVID and all that other stuff. People are going Absolutely. to go ballistic. 
And so, hey, we, it looks like I can't believe how fast that hour went. I really enjoyed talking with you, Matilda. We're going to have to continue this on another day. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. And just thank you for your fight. Thank you for exposing it. Thank you for taking such good care of the people that you have been put in charge to care for and for doing a really good job of it. And somehow I know there's going to be a blessing for you for doing the right thing. And you are a role model for those who are in caregiving to know that, you know what, doing the right thing, it still does make a difference. It's still, it's still the right thing to do. Matilda, thank you so much. And say hey to Chris there in Australia. And everyone, have a great night. Good night. Thank you. God bless. Good, Good night, night, everyone. Thank you. Yeah. Good night. Amigos, estamos charlando con nuestro invitado 811 Hombre Megáfono. Llame al 811 antes de excavar. <risa> Está informando a los propietarios de viviendas, paisajistas y excavadores que siempre llamen al 811 antes de excavar. Llame al 811. Llamar para trabajos pequeños y grandes y con dos días hábiles de anticipación. 811. ¿Alguna palabra de despedida? Llame al 811 antes de excavar. Presentado por Southwest Gas. Introducing Wheatley American Vodka, made right here in the U.S. of A. Award winning? Yes but never too fancy for a backyard barbecue. This song right here is for the red, white, and blue. You got good taste, and you drink like it too. Wheatley so good, I drink it neatly. Washington, Moscow always get the mule. Vodka this good is an American jewel. Wheatley so good, I drink it neatly. Wheatley American Vodka. Please drink responsibly. That's Rat Company. Louisville, Kentucky, 41% alcohol by volume.